0: Before I have them come up, I I, again want to just thank those of you who couldn't be this morning uh, for um, helping out with the Relate event this last week. I just want to once again tell you how proud I am um, as your pastor. It was just amazing. This last week was just awesome, and we've heard some incredible reports and feedback. They were blown away by you. I hope you don't. It's so good to get around other people and other churches and serve other people because it, it's healthy for you. I think it's where a lot of the happiness and fulfillment comes from. But it also gives you perspective on how blessed you are. And uh, so I just really encourage you sometimes to... Stretch yourself a little bit in that way in serving and giving in particular. And you guys have done just stellar in that whole thing. So, again, thank you for that. I also wanted to mention real quick that um, you may not realize this, but services uh, video is finally available on our website. So you guys can watch the services on our website. Amen? Isn't that great? So that is another part of uh, the... The Connect the Dots process is just having the equipment to be able to do that, and now we've, we've got a great staff that are uh, processing and producing and editing all that stuff on a weekly basis as volunteers. Isn't that great? It, just our dream team's awesome. There's so much that goes into what happens on Sundays and, um, and weekends, and um, just blown away by that. So just you know, spread the word, and uh, w- you'll see more than just sometimes those little video nuggets. Now you're going to see the whole service. Amen? It's awesome. Well, listen, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Dan. Have him come up and minister to us. Come on, give him a big hand as he comes up. You guys know him already.
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. Anybody get some rest today? Those of you that are Patriots fans, you had a really, really good afternoon. I, I think that, I don't even know that that was actually considered a game, but, you know, take the win when you can get them, Right. Well, it's awesome to be able to be back with you guys tonight, and I'm really excited to share something that's just been um, really rich on my heart. Something that God's been um, speaking to me about concerning prayer. And so, um, Pastor Derek was telling me that that this is a, Sunday Night Live is a, is more, you know, again, more worship, more word, just really kind of drilling down a little bit deeper. And so, whether you consider yourself um, spiritually mature or or spiritually strong, um, I'm considering you that. Tonight, So if that's okay, I want to see you as that, and uh, we want to dig a little bit deeper um, concerning prayer. And you should have received a handout. We've got just some notes there. Um, there's not really any blanks there, but you can follow on, on, underline some things that stand out, maybe write some things in that are standing out to you, and uh, we're also, you know, obviously going to add um, quite a bit to that. Um, but before we get into it, uh, since we're talking about prayer, I think it would be good that we just pray just one more time. We are in church. I think it's allowed. I think, I think we're allowed to pray one more time, so... Uh, Father God, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We declare how awesome you are, the great God of all creation, of heaven and earth, the God that you created each one of us intricately, perfectly, according to your specifications, with your passion and with your purpose on the inside of us. And God, we just ask that tonight as we just dive into your word for a moment to learn about prayer and how to pray boldly, that God, something would, would just go off on the inside of us in a positive way. Something would click concerning prayer, and we'd find ourselves communicating with you, communicating in a way, praying in a way that just changes things, changes circumstances, brings about the miracle hand of God in our life. And so we so desire that. So Spirit of the living God, we invite you into this moment right now. We're asking you to walk in our midst, walk these rows, whisper into our hearts, speak into our minds and into our spirits. May we receive something deep and transformational tonight. And in the name of Jesus, we pray and ask of that. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 So concerning prayer, I don't know about you, but um, I'm, I've never been one that I considered myself just like an intercessor. Um, and an intercessor is just somebody that, in, in my mind, an intercessor is just somebody that is praying incessantly. I mean, they don't stop praying. They're, they're, they'll pray for hours on end. And uh, I, I, may get an, I may get hours when I combine it all throughout the week as in just localized prayer. That's what I'm talking about. Not I mean, I'm praying all day long. <laughs> Hopefully you are too. Like if you're in a car and you're driving, you're like, help me, Jesus, right? But we're, I'm talking about just that intense really going after it, hours at a time. I've never really been that sort of a prayer person. And and when I find myself struggling in prayer, it usually has to do with some sort of insecurity. When I'm struggling in prayer, when I know like, okay, it's time to pray, like I need to pray, and I'm not talking about praying over my meal. Like I grew up I could have been born in church. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We had missionaries that stayed at our house. We were at church all the time, vacation Bible school, special services. We were at church. I knew how to pray. I knew how to pray over my my meals. I knew how to pray when I was getting ready to go to school to take a test that I didn't study for. There's a very specific prayer for that. I just, I knew how to pray. I knew how to pray when we were getting in the car for a road trip. You know, God, give us traveling mercies. I knew what to pray. I knew how to pray, right? I knew how to pray when I was going to bed. I knew how to pray, and it was actually, it was like a freaky prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die, I'm like, you're going to teach a five-year-old that, and if I die before I wake, it's like, really? This could happen? Like, that's a horrible prayer, don't teach your kids that prayer. But I knew that prayer, and I knew I knew, I knew how to pray. Like, I knew what to pray, and when to pray, and how to pray. But when I struggle in my prayer life, when I'm struggling and communicating with God, it always came down to that, that place of feeling like, I, I, I'm not allowed in your presence, Because there's some stuff that I know, God, I know you probably know, because you know everything, I wish you didn't know this about me, but I was aware of myself. And when I'm aware of myself, it keeps me from going to a deep place in prayer. And I bet you're a lot like me, and you probably are, like what keeps you from passionately praying, or or boldly praying, or praying prayers of faith, or, or praying in a way that it even stirs you up and you're confident, most likely it's because you're very aware of yourself. And You're not much different than Jesus' followers. You see, one day they're watching him pray, and they watched him pray quite a bit. Jesus would go off by himself, but many times he would have some of his followers go with him, some of his disciples go with him. And one day that they're watching him pray, and he prayed so differently than the religious leaders that they knew. He prayed so differently than the religious teachers that they knew. He just prayed so differently. He prayed these bold, intimate prayers that was so, such contrast to the arrogant and hypocritical prayers that they had seen. He prayed so differently, so differently than the way that they prayed, that when he was done and he was walking back over to them, they're like, Lord, and, and it's right here in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Like, we just saw something that's so different. Teach us to pray. Now, he goes into, and if you grew up in church, or maybe you grew up Catholic, you you know this prayer, the Our Father, like, you, you were punished with this prayer. Like, you had to memorize it, and you had to pray it a lot. If you were like me, you had to pray this prayer a lot. Like, it was more than just a few. Like, You know, more than 10 of these, like, it was a lot. You knew that. And if you didn't grow up Catholic, but you grew up in maybe a a Christian home, or if you've been to a Christian wedding, you might have even heard this prayer sung someplace in, in the wedding. We know it as the Our Father. But this was not a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples just to remember. It wasn't a formula. It was a pattern. You know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. It starts off with declaring God's greatness, Just real simple, prayer, declare God's greatness. If you're gonna be a person of prayer, that's where you start. That's where you start every every day. Not with gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, my name is Jimmy, and I'll take what all you give me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But starting with our God who art in heaven, how your name is holy, declare his greatness. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not imposing my will on you, God. That's not what prayer is. That's how a lot of us learn to pray. I'm like, I'm somehow, I am so awesome that somehow I can convince God to do something that he doesn't want to do somehow, right? I mean, somehow, if I'm a really good person of prayer, I can do that, right? But it's, prayer, is, prayer is actually learning how to allow God's will to be imposed upon me and not me imposing my will on God. So not my will be done, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus knows, so he gets to it, you know, gets to the giving part. He knows what we want to ask. So give us this day our daily bread, Right? Forgive us of our debts or of our trespasses or of our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed or who are indebted to us, who have sinned against us. So I'm declaring God's greatness. I'm, I'm surrendering my will to his will. And then I'm acknowledging my need. I'm acknowledging that God is the one that provides. Give me this day my daily bread. He's the one that provides. He's the one that pardons. Forgive me of my debts as I forgive those who are indebted to me. And I'm acknowledging that he is the one that protects me right? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So D- Jesus teaches them this, this prayer, this way of praying. Now, if you, were to, if you were to stop there, you'd think that's all that Jesus taught on prayer, but he didn't stop there. He continued to move forward and he taught some more and he, and he began to share some stories and he began to illustrate some very specific things concerning prayer. And that's where I want to pick up here as we learn how to pray bold prayers. In Luke eleven five. It says, and he said to them, again, this is after he just teaches them this pattern or this way to pray, this way to approach God. Like if you're going to pray, start with acknowledging God's greatness. Start with talking about how awesome he is. Declare his name. Like if you've got an illness in your body before you get on your face and begging God. See, this is our definition of prayer. Prayer equals begging God. Prayer equals harassing God. Prayer equals just just saying it over over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And somehow God, like an annoyed parent, will finally say, fine, take it. Right? Somehow he'll do that. But that's, that's our definition of prayer. Gonna harass God. But that's not prayer. So if there's, a, if there's an illness in your body, our God who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's his name? He's got multiple names. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord that heals. So I'm declaring your, your greatness. You're the God of all creation. You created this thing. You can fix this thing, right? Like if I got a problem with my car, I don't, I don't go to the dentist I don't even like to go to the dentist when I have problems with my teeth. You go to the one that knows how to fix cars. God knows all about your body. So once we, he, Jesus walks them through this whole prayer, and then he gets to this, and he's, now he says, let me illustrate it for you. Let me tell you a story so we can help learn more about prayer. You wanted me to teach you about prayer? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, so I'm going to teach you some more about prayer. And he said to them in Luke 11:5, which of you... Who has a friend. Again, remember he's teaching on prayer. Has a friend. Prayer's relational. Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight? This is when they're used to praying. Midnight is kind of the hour of crisis, the hour of need. He's like, you guys are used to this. This is when we pray. This is when everybody prays. Even if you're agnostic, you pray at midnight. Like when it's, if you're there, right? Help me, help somebody, help anybody up there, help me. This is when we pray. And he's like, You guys are used to this. So, when any of you has a friend who comes to him at midnight and will say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. In the most inopportune time. And In verse 6, he says, For a friend of mine has arrived, he's continuing this story on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. I have not prepared. Now this would never have happened in my house growing up. Like my mom, there's six of us in our home. She would always prepare enough for 12 or 20. And whatever you didn't eat then was leftovers the next night. And whatever was still left, God forbid, it was liver and onions and macaroni and tomatoes. Don't even ask. Just stretch your hands out and say, thank you, Jesus, that he doesn't have to eat that anymore. It would get frozen and put in the freezer. And that's what you would get a week later. a month. There was always food, always food. If you were really bad that night, you'd get it in your lunch the next day. It was like, it was always, but there was never a time when anyone would ever show up at my house and there would not be something. You might not like it, but there would be something, I wouldn't even call it edible, but something that you could eat. Most of it was edible, except for liver and onions. If you're, if you're younger than 40, you have no idea. Just thank God for bacon. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. And I have nothing to set before him. So verse 7, look what happens here. And he will answer from within. Now, Jesus is illustrating prayer. Our Father, he goes through the whole thing. Now I'm telling you a story to illustrate. This is Jesus just kind of walking them through. You guys understand prayer is relational. You understand that a lot of times you're praying in crisis. And Jesus, the way he's illustrating this, He's saying, you're going to come to something and ask, again, who do we come to in prayer? We come to God, God the Father, in prayer. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. Does that sound like God? Doesn't really sound like God, but go with me on this, all right? The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. But that's not where it ended, and that's not where it ends with God. This prayer gets answered. Verse eight, he says, and I tell you, though he will not, Get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. Not impotence. That's a completely different prayer request right there. (laughs) Because of his impudence. Some of your translations will say persistence. It is night. I am unfiltered. Hashtag right there, unfiltered. (laughs) Some of your translations will say persistence. If you're a King Jamesy, it'll say importunity. So whether it's persistence in your Bible, whether it's if this is the English Standard Version, impudence, or it's, it's persistence, impudence, or importunity, whatever you might have, I want you to understand that it's much different than maybe what you thought it was. If, you, if you're thinking persistence, then your mind goes, and especially if that's the translation you're reading, your mind goes, oh, if I just ask and keep on asking, if I, if I just say it enough, if I keep pl- pulling that slot machine, somehow they're all going to line up and the heavenly casino godfather in the air jackpot. Somehow, some way, it'll happen, right? And that's what, just keep on asking. Seek and just keep on seeking. Knock and just keep on, just don't stop. Just bother God until he finally, his arm is twisted. You thought I was going to say something else, but I didn't. I'm, I'm unfiltered, not that unfiltered. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him because he is his friend, get this. God doesn't just answer our prayers or necessarily answer your prayers simply based on relationship. Though he will not get up and give him because he is his friend. God loves you immensely. And if you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you're a fault, you've received God's precious gift of salvation, and you're following God, and you're, you're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you're pursuing God, and you're throwing up prayers, and God never answers my prayer, so God doesn't love me. Jesus is teaching us right here that the basis of answered prayer is not relational, or just relational. Did you see that? Though he will not get up and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, his persistence, his impudence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. So let me define that word because we've got many translations. If you go into the message translation, you'll see something different. You'll see it described differently. But there's one, actually it's one Greek word, but it is a compound Greek word, which means it's made up of several Greek words, actually three Greek words to make one word that in English, we've tried to come up with many different English words to try to explain what Jesus is teaching here on prayer. And so in your notes, you've got it right there. It, it's this, it begins with the word alpha. So this Greek word, this compound Greek word, it's actually used only one time. I love finding words that are only used once in Scripture. There's something about it that because it's, it's words that have been used in Scripture before, but they're compounded. They're brought together. But this, this particular word, Jesus only he uses it. We see it one time in all of the New Testament, just once. And it's when Jesus is teaching on prayer. But you got to see this. It It means a shamelessness or a boldness. A shamelessness or a boldness. What is it that keeps us many times from entering into a deep place of prayer or entering into like a passionate prayer or a faith-filled prayer, a prayer that's just bold and courageous and and, and asking God or declaring things that are uh, kind of almost make us intimidated that we're even saying these things out of our mouth. It It is a shamelessness. It means that it is without shame. What keeps me from prayer is an awareness of myself and what causes God to lean in is when I'm not aware of myself. Do you see that? It's not based on the relationship. It wasn't because he was his friend that he got up and gave, but because of this alpha. And alpha, that word is actually only used four times in all of Scripture, and it's used in the book of Revelation. And it's when Jesus appears to John, and he says, I am the alpha and the the beginning and the, the first and the right. So alpha means Christ. Alpha means Christ. I am the Alpha. I am the Christ. I am the, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, what's interesting is that the other time, so this is the only time we see Alpha, in, it's included in this word, in this word Alpha Anu Idos is the actual three words that make up the one, uh, word that we find in English, Alpha, a new idos, and Alpha means Christ. And when Jesus is telling them this, the only other time that we see the word Alpha used is in the book of Revelation, when Jesus was already raised from the dead. The resurrected Christ. Where do you and I get power for salvation? It's because Jesus was raised from the dead. Where is the power for healing? It's because Jesus was raised from the dead. Where is the the, 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 uh, the covenant that God has made with us? It actually comes to pass, it comes to life, it has life, it has an ability to be taken based that jesus has been raised from the dead because if christ is not raised then we are of all men and women most miserable we are without help but because he's the christ the resurrected messiah as jesus refers to him he's actually prophesying here back in luke teaching his disciples on prayer it's because of christ the resurrected christ a new means without that's i don't have to go any further on that christ without christ without what Christ without idos. And in your notes it doesn't look like it would be pronounced that way, but I love how you're supposed to pronounce this word. Christ without idos. Christ without a dose of me. Christ without idos. And it literally look at what this means. Idos is it it means a sense of shame or a regard for others or a fear of others. Christ without a regard for others, Christ without shame, Christ without insecurity, Christ without an awareness of all the stupid stuff that you just did yesterday, last night, this morning, before, not during church, after church, whatever it is, Christ without that, Christ without an awareness of that, Christ without an awareness of my insecurities. Christ without an awareness of my failure, of my guilt, of my shame. Christ without an awareness of how negatively I see myself. He did not, he didn't get up and answer the door and give him three loaves of bread simply because you were his friend. He got up and gave it to you because you were standing there in the, in the image of the resurrected Christ without yourself, without your shame, without your junk, without your insecurity. Christ without me. Do you see that? Alpha, anew, idos. His boldness wasn't, wasn't in himself, but was in a knowledge of God's ways and God's will. You know, one of the reasons that we might struggle in prayer is that we, we don't know God's will. I mean, maybe you've even finished prayer this way, you know. You, but even pray like a really bold prayer, you even surprise yourself. Did I just pray that bold? And then you, then you get all t- timid and you're like, well, and then if it be your will. We just, you just contradicted the very thing that he is saying answers prayer. The reason we say if it be thy will is because we don't know what his will is. But you can. You can know God's will. And there's nothing more important in prayer than knowing his will. Knowing his ways, knowing what he wants for you, knowing his plan, his ways of doing things. There's a way that God operates. There's a way that God functions. And when you can know that, and you can know that, if you've got a Bible, you can know that. If you've got a smartphone, you can know it because you can just download apps full of scripture, free apps, and study the Bible. I I study, when I'm studying, I actually use free apps on my iPad. E-Bible, it's free app. Blue Letter Bible free app you version free app bible gateway free app and I'll sit there and I'm going through and I'm opening up I'm reading scripture I've got my I guess old school bible paper bible <laughs> I've got my bible and I'm underlining things and I'm opening up my phone and I'm highlighting things you can know God's will and you need to this is where boldness in prayer comes from so his boldness didn't didn't come because He knew that God loved him, which is important. I mean, you're not going to pray. You're not even going to approach God if you don't know that he loves you. Jesus even said, that's where you start. Our Father, relational, it does start relational. We're not saying there's an absence of relationship. This is how we pray. This is how we worship God. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, don't don't be drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Like there's a relational side of prayer. There's a part where we're worshiping God and we're getting into his presence, but all the relational part of prayer is to actually build us up and encourage us. If my son, I've got a nine-year, almost nine-year-old son, and he's the man of the house, the nine-year-old man. He's taking care of the house right now while we're gone. We've got, he's got two older sisters, but he's still the man. He knows he's the man. If I see that he's, that he's a little insecure, I don't leave him alone. If I feel like his head is down and he's just, you know, feeling sorry for himself, I, I don't leave him alone. The relationship is the aspect. The relationship is the part that builds up and encourages and strengthens. And so we need the. So don't don't take it like I'm saying it's absence of relationship. Like if you have no relationship with God and you just walk in and boldly declare, that's not what I'm talking about, because it's not you that's even walking before God in prayer. The prayer gets answered because you're stepping in like Christ, praying in the power of Christ, in the name of Jesus. That's that's why the prayer gets answered, because we're standing there as one that's been washed in the blood of Christ, that's been changed from the inside out, will never be the same again. All right? So it's not an absence of relationship, but it's Christ without my insecurity. Christ without my shame. When I'm praying boldly, it's Christ without my awareness of my guilt. And so this is where Jesus is teaching them. And then he goes on and he teaches them. He says, you know, if, if a son asks for, you know, an egg or, or bread or, you know, he's asking for things, an earthly father's not going to give him a serpent or a scorpion or a stone, right? So he, he gives that illustration. And he says, and any of you that wants the Holy Spirit, the father's not going to withhold him from you. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give him to you. And so Jesus is continuing to teach on prayer. And I don't want to take time uh, right there to talk about that part. Part of prayer. But you've got these three things, the Our Father, this, this pattern of prayer. We've got this, this illustration, the this story of the, the neighbors, the friends communicating at midnight. And then you've got the illustration of, of, a, of the Heavenly Father wanting to give us the Holy Spirit. So Jesus teaches on prayer. Well, what's interesting is that we, we then see the disciples putting into practice Which is what, I I actually want us to have an opportunity to do this tonight, because I think there's some of us in here, I I would almost guarantee it, there's some of us in here that are facing some things. It could be even what we talked about this morning, just feel like life is spinning out of control and you're stressed like crazy. But you could also be facing something very extreme. It could be something physical that you're facing, something in your body. It could be something financial, something relational, but you could be facing something. And I want to give us an opportunity to pray a bold prayer tonight. All right? Are you with me on that? All right, don't go to sleep on me. I know that the game is over and it's, you know, like you can clock out. Don't clock out on me, all right? Just hold on with me. We're going somewhere. So Jesus teaches his disciples. They're seeing him pray differently than they've ever been taught to pray. And he teaches them. He shares the stories. He illustrates it. He takes it home. He brings three different ways to teach them prayer. Jesus is now crucified, buried, resurrected, and now we've got the church full of the Spirit of God. They've been, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit's been poured out upon them like Jesus said it would in Acts 1.8, and then we see in Acts 2, 1 through 4, we see the Holy Spirit just being poured out, and we see the disciples and the followers of Jesus communicating and ministering in a way that they had not ministered before. We see the Apostle Peter, who had actually denied Christ just several weeks earlier, is now boldly declaring in the power of the Holy Ghost the resurrected Jesus. And then we have Peter and John We're preaching Jesus and they get arrested. A miracle took place, they healed a lame man and all of Israel is in an uproar. The Roman soldiers don't know what to do. The priests, Pharisees, they don't know what to do. So they arrest Peter and John. They strongly warn them, they torture them to never preach in the name of Jesus again. I mean, what would happen if the government and our nation changed? Where they became indifferent to the church to the degree that maybe laws weren't passed, but they would turn a blind eye to individuals storming into this building, and murdering and torturing us simply because we're followers of Jesus. Would you come back next Sunday? Would I come back next Sunday if I was invited? Would I come back next Sunday? And here's Peter and John. They saw Jesus. They were with him for three and a half years. They spent most of their time watching him perform miracles and hearing his teaching and being encouraged by him and eating meals together with him and just being discipled and developed as followers and as believers and as apostles and prophets, and they saw Jesus raised from the dead. They saw him after walking in, just appearing in rooms with doors that were locked and showing up on the, the shore as they were fishing, communicating with them, walking roads with them, and then standing that night, where he, that day where he gave the great commission, the final challenge for them to go to make disciples. And so he sends them into the upper room, into Jerusalem to wait and to pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. The Holy Spirit's poured out and now they're just, they're just they're going hog wild. I mean, they're just everywhere ministering. God's doing miracles. I mean, it's just amazing confirming his word with signs following. But then they're arrested and they're tortured never to speak in the name of Jesus ever again. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, it says, as soon as they were freed, so Luke is explaining to us exactly what happened here. He's documenting this for a Greek um, leader, Theophilus. He says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priest and elders had said. It's a great thing to do, like when you're in trouble, to go to your own company, to grow to people. Go to people that you know and that know you and and to share what's going on. But they share differently than the way I would share. I'd be like, look what they did to me. I'd be like taking selfies in the mirror, look at the whip works on my back, and posting it on Instagram, feel sorry for me world hashtag beaten hashtag tormented hashtag Jesus loves me more because I was beaten and you weren't no right I mean it's just like we'd be going through all of this stuff of all these things that have happened to us and they're they're not whining they're not complaining it just says as soon as they were let go they returned to their other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said not what they had done not that, that maybe they did tell them but it just says what they had said like you're not allowed to preach in the name of Jesus anymore and if you do you're going to be arrested when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And look at how they prayed. Oh, God, help us. We're in so trouble. Why'd you leave us, Jesus? That's not how they prayed. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Sound like our Father? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Again, it wasn't a, a, form, you know, a formula. It was just a pattern. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. They're not reminding God. God's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. No, God, God, they're reminding themselves, they're stirring themselves up. Your servant's saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. They're like, God, we've seen your will being done on earth just as it is in heaven. It's happened right before our very eyes. We're experiencing what was prophesied in Scripture by David is actually coming to pass. We're seeing it happen right here for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus for your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now Lord, now that we've stirred ourselves up, now that we've reminded ourselves of how awesome you are God and how powerful you are God, now that we've gone through all of this, now that we've reminded ourselves that you are the one that that provides and pardons and protects. Now that we've done that, God, here's what we're asking. Oh Lord, hear their threats. And kill them all, for they deserve it. That's not what he said. Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants. Say it with me. What? Give us great boldness. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Because Jesus told us a story of someone That when they were bold and it was Christ without them and they weren't aware of their insecurities and they weren't aware of their shame, that when they prayed, their prayers got answered. And so God, we're asking you for boldness. We're asking you for boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We're now praying in the name of Jesus. And look what happened. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what they did? They just went out and did what they prayed would happen. They preached the word of God with boldness. Bottom line is answer prayer is Christ without me. Christ without me. Christ without an awareness of my, my sin because it's been washed in the blood of Christ. It's been removed as far as the east is from the west. I've been made in the image of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Christ without an awareness of my shame. Christ without my insecurity. I'm telling you, one of the things that will keep you from praying is insecurity. And insecurity comes from being aware of yourself. Insecurity comes from being unaware of the security in God. Christ without me equals answered prayer. And so I want us to do that. I want you just stand your feet, put your, put your notes aside. I want us to put into practice like the followers of Jesus put into practice. I want us to just take a moment, just right where you are, maybe this is something brand new for you, maybe prayer is something brand new for you, maybe the whole church and following God is something extremely brand new for you, and I get that. So you have the privilege of being around other people that it's not quite new for. Maybe you've been doing this for a little while. You're not gonna be just mimicking and and saying what you're hearing next to you. Prayer is something that is relational, that's where it begins. But the relational part of prayer is so that you become more aware of God than you are of yourself. That's why the relationship is so important. Becoming more aware of God, more aware of the Spirit of God on the inside of you, more aware of Jesus and what He's done, more aware of who He is, more aware of what He's planned and purposed for your life, more aware of God's Word than you are of your own words more aware of God's word than you are of the words that have been said to you that are negative and destructive and need to be uprooted, just more aware of God than you are of yourself. That's the power and that's the purpose of the relational part of this. And so what we need to do though is we need to be able to say, all right, here's what's going on in my life and before I just come begging God because begging doesn't get the answer, I need confidence. Whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, there's an answer. I promise you, whatever whatever your deal is, God has dealt with it. He's just dealt with it. He's taking care of it. You just need to discover that in his word. So here's what I want us to do just over the next few moments. I want us just, we're gonna just have an opportunity just to worship God. Just close your eyes. Just want you to connect with God for a moment. And whatever's going on in your life, I don't want you to focus on that right now. I don't want you to focus on your need. I don't want you to focus on your problem. I don't want you to focus on your issues. I want you to focus on Jesus. Our Father, just close your eyes. Just, and if you're a hand lifter, lift your hands. If you're not a hand lifter, lift your hands. <laughs> just, just, it's just a universal sign of surrender. It's just like I'm opening up myself to you. God, that's all it is. It's not a show. No one's watching you. We're all too worried about ourselves to watch you, right? Our Father. My Father, you are in heaven. Holy is your name. Jesus you're my savior you poured out your life for me you poured out your blood for me jesus son of the living god my savior oh jesus i worship you you're my messiah you're my lord you're my king king of kings you're the alpha and the omega there's nothing that exceeds you nothing surpasses you jesus you are god's great gift to me god so loved me just tell just say that talk to god god you so loved me that you sent your son jesus to die on a cross for me but he didn't just die he's alive jesus i worship you because you're alive the resurrected christ son of the living god i'm so aware of you i'm acknowledging your greatness god you're so good Spirit of the living God, we just invite you right now. We invite you. I invite you into this time. Lead me in prayer. Show me where to go. Show me what to say. Show me what the issue is. Show me what I'm thinking and focusing on that I need to change my thinking and change my focusing on. Holy Spirit of the living God, guide us and walk us through in prayer. We commit to follow you right now. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll follow you in prayer. We'll declare those great things that you desire for us to declare that could literally change our situation, that can literally change our circumstance. Spirit of the living God, show me, tell me, reveal to me, let me see the words just in the picture of my mind, what I need to begin to declare, what I need to begin to receive from God. I follow you, Spirit of God. Oh, I declare your greatness, God, you're so good. I'm telling you, the longer you stay here, God, not my will be done, but yours be done. The longer you stay here, I mean, you need to camp here. Because the longer you stay here, of just declaring God's greatness, I believe in who you are, God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in your power. The longer you stay here, the smaller the issue gets. Not that the issue has changed, but it's actually your faith has grown. So big that the issue seems so small. Your God has gotten so big that the issue seems so small. Because in comparison to God, it is. It doesn't even even count. It's not even a grain of sand on a seashore. Your issue. God, we worship you. Declare His greatness. Mighty God, mighty King. You're so good. Come on, just tell Him. You're so good. Now here's what I do when I'm struggling in my body. I begin to declare His greatness. You're the healer, God. I just declare Your greatness. You know every every issue. You know every tissue, every cell. You know my blood type. You know you know every vein, every every sinew. You know every every organ. You know all. You know actually the my marrow. You God, you are so aware of just even the, the the marrow in my bones. You're just so aware, God. You know what it looks like. You know what it. You God, you formed it. You shaped it. You shaped me. You You know every part of me. You know how my lungs are. God, you know how they're supposed to be. God, you know how my heart is and you know how it's supposed to be. God, you know how my kidneys are and how they're supposed to be. God, you know my digestive system. You've so intricately designed it. It is by design, by your design, by your great plan and your great purpose. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord that heals because you are the God that has created. And so you can bend back in what sin has bent one way. God, you will bend back another way. And I just worship you, God, because you're so great. We just love you, God. You're so great. And so what happens is that we actually don't even spend a whole lot of time asking. We certainly don't need to beg. Because we just reminded ourselves of how amazing our God is. He's so good. Let's tell him that. Let's go ahead and sing that song. I just want us to worship just for a moment. Try not to focus on anything else, but just keep doing what you're doing as the as the as the band just kind of sings over us. Join in with them if it flows with how you're worshiping and how you're praying. But let's just do that. God, we just love you.